When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Hey, Rick. Hey, Don. How are you? I'm doing good. How you been doing? I'm all right. Going with the flow. Same here. (laughs) (laughs) So, I just want to say thank you for wanting to do this. I do appreciate it. Of course, it's always fun uh, being on board with you and doing these. I I always enjoy them. It's a good time. Same here. I always have a good time doing the top ten what we're doing. (laughs) Um. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce uh, myself and everything. And then, of course, you can introduce yourself and introduce the Joker page and everything, too. Sure. Sounds good. Okay. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For today's podcast, we're going to be doing our top 10 Stephen King movies. And joining me today is going to be Rick. Say hello to everyone, Rick. Hello, everyone. All right. So what do you have for your number one for your Stephen King's uh, Stephen King movies. You want my favorite first or my least favorite first? You're going to give me either one. <laughs> hmm. I didn't know you had a least or... Uh, I know what your number one is, but I don't yes, know what your uh, least I'm, one I'm is. very adamant about my number one. So we'll, we'll save that for last then, since you already okay. know. We'll keep, we'll keep the suspicion of the numbers going to that. Okay, sounds <laughs> so, good. <laughs> uh, my least favorite one, though, is that I still like, because obviously it's top 10, so I have to like these ones for it to be my least favorite liked one, <laughs> is uh, the Rose Red miniseries. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Which uh, came out in like 2002, I think. Uh, yeah, I was, in, I was actually in high school whenever that came out for the miniseries and everything. That was around 2002. Yeah, that's the only one that came out. Uh, during my life that I was actually old enough to like watch it on TV <laughs> uh, and because I mean I was still pretty young I was in middle school when it came out but I was already a big horror movie buff and everything and I was Stephen King uh, stuff and, and I watched it and I and I really liked it and I liked it all throughout my life really but like I've realized that almost nobody else knew what, what I was talking about whenever I bring up oh yeah Rose Red they'd be like oh the book I'd be like yeah then the miniseries be like what? <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, they, they had a TV miniseries about it. Like everybody knows the other big ones, you know, like it and the stand and stuff like that. But like nobody right. ever, I feel like ever talks about uh, Rose Red. But I believe really enjoy that one. Right, but believe it or not, there's actually people in the. Of course, if you're a big, huge Stephen King fan, you're gonna wind up. You're gonna wind up mentioning that particular miniseries and a Stephen King group, which I'm part of. But, you know, you're right. There's not that many people that actually mentions Rose Red. And I showed it to my wife. Uh, she had never heard about it until uh, I mentioned it. And I had her watch it. She was like, yeah, it's pretty good. I like this. I don't, you know, I don't know why. So more popular. I'm like, me neither. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good one. What did you like about it? I'm from the t- uh, I'm always a sucker for haunted house movies, though. M- me too. Uh, I do... I do believe, I see, I'm weird because I'm a skeptic who does believe in the paranormal because I lived in a haunted house when I was a kid. Uh, and, like, no one will ever be able to convince me that ghosts aren't real because I experienced it. However, I'm still one of those people who's like, 
not everything is a ghost, you know, like, there's things that can be explained logically, but I still believe in it uh, to an extent. So I'm always a big fan for haunted house movies and haunted, you know, all kinds of stuff. Because uh, it's like, oh, I've had some, I, I, I've had some of these experiences, you know, not as crazy as uh, Rose Red, obviously, because, you know, I'm alive and stuff. But, uh, right. but yeah, so it's cool. I like it. For me, my number one would be like the remake of It, and that would be It Chapter One. Yes, uh, that is on my list as well. That was number oh, three awesome. on my list. And you see, I actually read the one thousand seven hundred seventy-nine page book. I did not. <laughs> I could not I get through I've that. Read that. It was like reading the Bible, but a Stephen King edition kind of Bible. Oh but... God. That's... That's messed up. <laughs> if you think about it, though, because it's just as big as the Bible is, if you think about it. Oh, yeah. It's, that's one of the... That's massive. I haven't read a lot of Stephen King. Really, I haven't finished pretty much any of his, like, major works because I get into it, and it's, it's just like, so long. <laughs> and it's, I'm going like, to be honest with you. Eventually, some of it just stuff... drags me down, and I just can't finish it. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. There, Some of his stuff is a little too wordy. To the point where it's like, okay, get to your point. Yeah. But that's how, to be honest with you, the reason why the uh, the book is so massive is because of the fact that it has to go back and forth between the kids being adults to them going being kids. Yeah. But not only that, but there's also another thing too is with the town history. It's so massive with the town history because it goes all the way back over to other periods of history in the dairy town. Yeah, the yeah, exactly. It's um I've looked a lot into its like mythos and its history about like uh what goes on. And and one of the cool things I love about Stephen King is that a lot of his books are intertwined with each other in, in some way or another. Even if it's just like a brief mention of someone's name or the mention of a city. Uh and and it's cool, like to look into the history of some of Stephen King's uh, stories and be like, oh, that links up with this or that, and you know, it's cool. Exactly, because even with some of the books that I read, it was like, okay, I remember that character from Pet Cemetery. Oh, I remember this character from this. It's like its own, his own little shared universe within the Castle Rock universe. Yes, yes. Uh, I really, yeah. really enjoyed it. Chapter one, the new it. Chapter one. Um, I do too. I, I feel like with, with the uh, CGI and stuff that we have today, we were able to do it in a way that the 1990s miniseries just couldn't do, just didn't, uh, not that they couldn't do it, but uh, we we could do more rather exactly. now than, than they could back then. And, I, and the miniseries terrified me when I was a kid. I, first of all, I'm a huge fan of evil clowns. Like, I love evil clowns. <laughs> uh, I got, like, pictures of creepy-ass clowns in my house and stuff. They're awesome. Like, big fan. So, obviously, it didn't traumatize me that much. <laughs> but, um, like, that, that terrified me when I was a kid. And I went into the, the theaters kind of reserved because I really liked the miniseries. And I was like, I really don't want them to mess this up. Like, I really don't want this to be just another remake where it's, like, the original's better. And I came out of the movie so happy. Like, this movie was freaking awesome. Like, I loved it. And you see, this is what I went into it with. Because here's the thing. 
we all know that the this is what I liked about it. Yes, it took place in the 1960s and everything in the original book, and it also took place in the 1960s and, of course, in the miniseries as well. But what I loved about this was the fact that, you know, they were making it its own movie without having to go back to the miniseries or anything like that. Because here's the thing. With the miniseries, I actually ended up, once I found out the director never read the book, Mm. and everything from the miniseries I'm like okay this explains why the town history didn't make any sense in It Chapter 2 with the miniseries version Yeah, and why I was confused with it because it's like all jumbled up so I'm like I need a remake of this so it can actually explain the town history better and I feel like they did that good in It Chapter 2 and also in this one as well they changed up a few things here and there like for instance uh Ben was actually supposed to be the one that is the architect, and that was it. But it was actually uh, his the what, what's that? I forgot what the black guy, uh, character's name is. That's Mike, isn't it? I think it's Mike. Yeah, Mike. Mike was actually supposed to be the one with the photographs and stuff like that with the town history. But instead, they made it to for Ben in the in the movie version, which I'm yeah. okay with because it actually makes sense for Ben to actually do that since he's an architect and he likes to actually look at the town history of certain things. So it actually makes sense for him to actually do that. I love Ben's character. And I, I, honestly, I loved all the characters. And I feel like and, all yeah. the actors that they got to play, both the kids and the adults, <laughs> did phenomenal jobs. I agree. And not only that, but Bill Skarsgård was terrifying as it. I love Bill Skarsgård as it. Yes. He was such a good Pennywise. You know the thing he does with his eyes? He literally does that, right? Exactly. That's That's not like CGI or anything. Like, he can move his eyes in two different directions at the same time. That's freaky as fuck. (laughs) It really was, to be honest with you. Because it shows, like, a little bit of innocence with the clown to lure the kids into the trap that he needs to lure them into. And then once they're set in that trap, they're like, oh, shit, I'm in this trap now, so therefore I'm going to be dead. Oh, man, he, he was it's... such a good Pennywise. I I loved his Pennywise. I do, too. And I'm glad that, you know, he didn't do a copycat version of what Tim Curry did. It was just his own thing. And that's what, to me, that it makes the movie that great. I always love it when they do, well, one, when they do remakes that are good, which, you know, isn't always something that happens. Right. But when they do a remake and uh, the person makes it their own, they don't want to copycat the last one. Like, uh, And they did it with, like, a good example of that is, like, Aladdin with Will Smith versus Robin Williams. Like, Will Smith made Genie his own. You know, like, it wasn't right. a copycat. Uh, and he's like, I didn't want to do that. And Bill Skarsgård did the same thing with Tim Curry. He, like, made it his own Pennywise. He, he went exactly. his own path and made it unique. And it didn't make it feel like he was just trying to fill a role he like was the role exactly and then only that but i also get this i watched the commentary they didn't bring him out until like later on on the set like whenever the kids weren't even expecting him to come out yet yeah they did all the scenes with bill like last uh right that because the kids so the kids had no idea what he was even looked like right and i also love the costume that they chose for this it was like more like a jester type suit versus the carnival circus type suit. Yeah. 
that's uh, what I liked about it was was that. I really liked the whole thing. Uh, when I first saw pictures, when I first heard that Bill Skarsgård was going to be it, I was already pretty excited uh, because I I really thought that he was going to be a really good Pennywise. Um, I first encountered Bill Skarsgård in uh, what was that movie? Or it wasn't a movie. It was a show on uh, Netflix. Oh, uh, Hemlock Grove. That was it. Okay. I haven't seen that. It's it's a Netflix original. It's pretty cool. It's doing like vampires and werewolves and stuff. And okay. it's it's good. It's not great, you know, but uh Bill Skarsgård plays a vampire and he's he's cool and he was my favorite character uh in that show. And then I heard that he was gonna be Pennywise and I was like, I like that, I can see that uh being a good thing. And and it was, it was it was awesome. I agree. Um, what else, Dee? Um, what's your number two? Uh, Doctor Sleep is uh, my number nine. Okay. Um, that's actually mine too. Oh, excellent! So, uh, so we're on the same page. Perfect. So, uh, I really. So I'm just gonna spoil it. My number one is The Shining. Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. You already know this. I know you know this. Right. I, I talk about this all the time. My, exactly. It is not only my favorite Stephen King movie, but also my all-time favorite horror movie ever made in all of Everness. So, uh, and I'm a huge horror movie fan, so I talk about this movie a lot. Uh, I've seen it a lot and pretty much know it all by word. And I was terrified when they said that they were going to come out with Dr. Sleep. So I was like, oh, no. <laughs> They're going to ruin it. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things where I'm like, oh, it's going to be part two of my favorite horror movie ever made, and, and it's going to suck somehow. Some way they're going to ruin it. Uh, and, it's, and I was pleasant. I think having low expectations uh, made me enjoy it more, but I was really surprised by how much I liked it. Um, I know it doesn't have, if you really think about it, it doesn't have all that much to do with The Shining, and I didn't read it, and I know you read it. I'm, uh, I'm actually still reading it, to be honest with you. Okay. Like, I'm at the beginning phase of the whole, the story. You know and when uh, Danny wakes up with the girl that he sleeps with from yeah. the bar? That's where I'm at. Okay. Because I remember me and you, we talked about the differences between uh, both The Shining and Dr. Sleep with the movies and the book. Because right. uh, again, I I never read either of them. Um, because I I try and I just just can't I just can't focus. I've never been a very strong reader like that. And again, Stephen King's books are massive, so I just like zone out. And then I'm like, oh, I went three pages and didn't retain any of that. <laughs> so then I got to reread it, and so I just kind of give up on it. But um, but so the movies is what I go by, uh, and I really liked it. Um, I really think that. Uh, the swimming was cool and was interesting with the people who like sucked the shining out of everyone and stuff. That was a pretty awesome thing. And uh, yeah, Rose the Hat was terrifying. She was awesome. She was an awesome yeah. bad guy. She yeah. was a really cool bad guy. Um, and of course, uh, Ewan McGregor is just I I love him. He's freaking awesome. Uh, you know, as Obi Wan and everything. So when I found out he was main character, I was like, all right, that's cool. Uh, that's definitely attracting me to it a little bit. 
Uh, and it was just cool. And I like how it, they went back to the Overlook and everything. And I know, um, I know that like it's different from the book. And the same thing with The Shining. I know Stephen Kubrick's The Shining is very different mm-hmm. from the book. Uh, and but I do feel like it did go with each other very well. That like you could watch The Kubrick's The Shining and then watch it. So you'd be like, yeah, it's definitely a part two. Yes, I it, it it flows into each other like that very well. I actually agree with you one hundred ten percent. Like, I know Stephen King didn't care for Stanley Kubrick's The Shining because it felt like there was no layers to Jack Nicholson. It was just like Jack Nicholson playing Jack Nicholson, and I can actually see from his perspective on what he was talking about. But with Danny, though, everything that Stephen King actually criticized. When there's no layers to the character, there's nothing there. They actually did the total opposite with Danny and made that those uh, layers shape out by the end of the film. Danny has a ton of layers in that movie. You just get watched get peeled back. Like he's a completely different person by the end of uh, Doctor Sleep. Right, awesome. And you know, I love Doctor Sleep for the simple fact is they made the movie its own thing without doing anything with calling back to The Shining. Yeah, there's nods here and there, but they were able to go ahead and adapt a movie that wasn't even that well received into a sequel that nobody really thought that would even be that successful. As a matter of fact, it wasn't. It bombed because of the fact that it came out on Veterans Day, and Midway was the one who winded up making it bomb. But the positive word of mouth with the critics and everything and the fan base, it was fantastic. Yeah, I, so, I agree. I feel like not a lot of people have really seen it who I've spoken to, like my other hard fan buddies. But um, like I, I really enjoyed it. I always, I always tell them you gotta check it out. Yeah, it's a, it's a great movie. It's very well done. It's just cool. The whole concept is cool. The bad guy is awesome. Uh, I don't remember the name of that actress, but she was fantastic. Rose McGowan, I think, or something like that. I don't remember her name. But she was terrifying. Right Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah, Rebecca Ferguson. Okay. Yeah, she but, was cool. Yeah. She was great. To be honest with you, I found her sexy and I wanted <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, I'm actually attracted to this. I'm actually attracted to psychos. <laughs> she she has like this seductive charisma about her that is both pulls you in but at the same time is terrifying. And Michelle, exactly. real, my wife, really, really liked her too. Really liked uh, Rose the Hat. Uh, she was a big. She was like, "Yeah, she's cool." I'm like, "No, she's awesome. She's one of she's one of my favorite parts of the whole movie." Same her. here. But another thing that makes her so terrifying is if you remember that opening scene. Aside from Danny's opening scene, but when we first int- get introduced to Rose the Hat and she's oh. trying to pin at that little girl, oh, she lures no. that girl and just like it does in a certain sense. Yeah, she does. Oh, that part, that part, my my heart was going the whole time. I was like, oh, no, this poor girl. Like, <laughs> Especially the most creepy thing, though, is if you actually remember, like, the old 1970s where horror movies or 80s horror movies, where it's like, oh, those are just my friends. And then it goes into that fast-paced movement of the camera where the characters are slowly creeping up. But mm-hmm. it's this little fast-paced thing. 
You know, seventies and eighties horror movies are my favorite. Uh, my favorite time period for horror, man. Before CGI got all involved right. and everything, my right. favorite time period for horror movies. I felt like they did that though. I feel like that they actually did that kind of old classic thing, where it's like, oh, these are my friends. And I can see that. Yeah, I can totally I see that. that. I actually got that feel too, especially if you think about the year that that girl disappeared. It was around the same time Danny was still young. So it actually has that creepiness to it. That's definitely a good movie. I, I, I uh, like it a lot, a lot more than I thought it would. Another thing that I really have to say that I enjoyed about Dr. Sleep was the fact that, you know, was Abra. She was fantastic in it, the little girl. Yeah, she. She was a badass little girl, man. She was so cool. <laughs> Especially when she was thinking of ways to actually fool Rose the Hat and everything in her head. Yeah, man. She, she uh, ended up like trapping her and tricking her and like the whole like mind cabinet thing and uh, like and even Rose the Hat was like was like shocked that she was able to get tricked by this little girl. She was awesome. Exactly, and. Also, too, I want to mention this, too. Even at the Overlook, when we see Jack being in the Overlook. Yeah, that was cool. And I love how he was face-to-face with pretty much his own demons because of the fact that Jack was actually Danny's demon, if you think about it, where he was his own worst enemy with the drinking and also with the, you know what I'm saying, with the drugs and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I totally got it. I mean, that's a traumatic experience that he went through as a kid. Right, Uh, and he conquered his own demons by confronting his father. Yeah, definitely. And I thought that was fantastic. I thought it was just fantastically well done and perfectly well executed with that part. I agree. Like like, like I said, he's like a different guy by the end of the... uh, Danny's a different person by the end of the movie because he faces so much of himself that he didn't want to face. Uh, and then by the end, he's, you know, he's a better, different, better person, stronger from it, too. If you can actually think about it, Abra made him the better person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Because at first, it's like, I'm not going to train anybody. I don't want to What has nothing to do with her. <laughs> exactly. He's like the old man, uh, like Clint Eastwood, get off my lawn. I don't want to <laughs> teach you. Oh, yeah. But, I, you know, I, I, th- I thought it was really good. Like I said, it was perfectly well executed. The ending was fantastic. The way they ended it. Definitely. Uh, good movie. I really liked definitely. it. So, what's your number three? Um, my next one. So, this one, the only reason this is so low on my list is because I haven't seen season two. But Castle Rock. Oh, I really, really, really love season one. And again, Bill Skarsgård is in it. He's freaking awesome as the boy. Uh, you know, I don't want to spoil too much about it for people who haven't seen it. It is a trip, yo. I love that series. And I keep kicking myself in the butt because I have Hulu. So I can see season two whenever the heck I want. I just like haven't, haven't gotten the chance to. And I want it. Everyone keeps saying season two is great. I really want to, but like I just, I just like can never get around to actually doing it, or or I forget about it, and then I get reminded. I'm like, oh, I gotta do that, and then I never do. But I really, 
really enjoyed season one of you that see, show. You see, for me, I watched season two because season one, I felt like it was a little too convoluted with everything. So I just went straight into season two because of the fact that you don't really have to watch season one to actually understand what's going on in season two. Yeah, they're two totally different storylines. Right, but they do have Skarsgård in the second season for like a tip of the hat to the first season to have some homage to it. All right, that's cool. Um, But the way they incorporated, um, you know, it would be just boring if it was just about Annie and Misery, you know? So what they did was they incorporated Cujo, Pet Cemetery, and they also did Misery. So they did three different types of themes into oh, one. That sounds awesome. Into one season. And I'm gonna tell you, the woman who plays Annie, she'll leave you with goosebumps on your on your body because of how she is. Man, I gotta watch it. I gotta I gotta convince because uh, yeah, I haven't even caught up on Westworld yet, man. I watched like <laughs> the first like three, and I love that show. It's one of my favorite shows. And I like got it, I'm on season three, episode three. And I think like episode six came out like tonight me. or seven, and I'm just like I can't believe, I can't even watch it because I'm not even caught up with the other ones yet. You see, that's and like that's how I feel too. about this too. Uh, Castle Rock, like why want to watch season two, but I gotta actually do it. <laughs> You see, that's like me, for instance, too. I'm actually watching the fourth episode of Hunters. Which is that I have, that's on my list, too. <laughs> <laughs> and my friend Tamika is like, the, who, who's also one of my co-hosts with me and everything. She was like, you need to finish this so that way we can talk about it. I'm like, I will. She goes, no, you need to go on head and strap yourself down and you need to watch it. You think I would have the time to pause quarantine, but like I'm still working and I got my daughter. She's like a toddler, so I can't right. really watch any of this like scary stuff with <laughs> around. And then it gets late, and then we fall asleep, and then exactly. <laughs> and we don't watch it. <laughs> Let's see here. For my number three, I've got a perfect storm. So I really liked that movie, and I had no idea. That Stephen King uh, had anything to do with it? Really, I thought I think we'd actually know. Storm of the Century. That's it. Storm of the Century, not a perfect storm. I'm thinking of George. Clark. Okay. Yeah, two different movies, All right. but it's a. There we go. Yeah, Storm of the Century. That one I have not seen. You haven't seen the Storm of the Century? I have not. Oh man, this movie <laughs> is just really good. Because of the fact that it, ha- it came out in 1999. And a matter of fact, I bought the book thinking that it was actually going to be something different. But instead, it was just a screenplay of the TV show. So I'm like, okay. But what it's about is a very powerful blizzard hits the fictional small town of uh, of little, little tall island. And off the coast of Maine, the storm is so powerful that all access off off the road, off the island is blocked. No one is able to leave the island until the storm is over. While trying to deal with the storm, tragedy strikes when one of the town's residents is brutally murdered by a guy named Andre Lenoge, a menacing stranger who, who appears to know the town's members' darkest secrets and who gives no sense of his motives other than the cryptic statement, give me what I want and I'll go away. 
Damn. Yeah. That yeah. sounds that sounds good. <laughs> and let me just tell you this. The guy who plays him, Calm Foray, I think that's how you say his name. I'm sorry if I'm butchering his name. But the way he plays Lenoch and everything, and the way he actually goes in to the town history of every single person that lives there and knows their darkest secrets will leave your mouth hanging. Like, how does he know that? Like, no one is supposed to know that but the people that's in that town. Because they're because behind closed doors, we have our own little secrets. And he exposes them in front of everybody that's seeking shelter during the storm. That sounds cool. That sounds right it's, on my alley. It's a, it's a miniseries? It was a miniseries. I want to say it was a two-part miniseries. I'm not 100% sure on that because of how long I've how long it's been since I've seen it. But, dude, the guy has picture this, picture Jason Statham because this is, this is how I imagine like a remake. But <laughs> picture yeah. Jason Statham with a uh, with one of those caps that actually cover your ears during the storm, like a beanie, and yeah. a, and a walking cane and a black long jacket. And he's singing, I'm a little teapot, I'm short and stout. Oh, and super creepy. Yeah, that's how creepy it is. And there's a twist to his character. I'm not going to give you any spoilers with that. But it mixes in with a little bit of uh, fantasy in with it as well. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds right on my alley. So yeah, I'll check that out. If I were you, I would check that out because I know that would be something that you would actually want to want to see and I'm just going to be honest with you it is dark for it to be an ABC show it's it was dark for its time hmm. interesting and I would actually I like. yeah if, I would have to say it's right up there with the it chapter one chapter versus <laughs> this but this will actually leave you breathtaking all the way through the whole entire series it might be a little campy now. I haven't seen it since. Um, I have it on VHS, but I haven't checked it out since. But it might be a little bit cheesy or whatever. But it's still yeah. good. Still a good little miniseries. The it miniseries is kind of campy now too. If you watch it, right? Day. I watched it a couple of years ago. Uh, I actually watched it right before we went to go see the new it, and I was like, "Oh man, like I can't believe this terrified the crap out of me." Yeah. Right, because that actually scared the crap out of me too. Though I was scared to even go to the bathroom because I'm afraid that it was actually going to grab me and pull me down from the toilet. That's how bad. That's great though. I got I gotta check out this uh, form of the century. Gotta check that yep. out. Uh, what's your number? <clears throat> I think it's what number four. So my next one is the Stand miniseries. Oh, I was actually going to mention that. So I'm glad that you yes. put that there. So good, so good. Uh, if you think about um, it, it actually fits in with today a little bit. It it does. Uh, they actually, uh, Stephen King did an interview recently, uh, saying how two of his shows are almost coming to life together at the same time right now, and it includes The Stand and The Dead Zone. Oh wow! Because yeah, and he's like, yeah, because The Stand because of the virus and The Dead Zone because of like. The stuff that's going on in politics right now, and I was like, "Oh, geez, crap." He's right. <laughs> and he went into like detail about like his books and and how they connect. And I was like, "Oh my god, no!" But but anyway, uh, the stand is awesome. My wife also is a huge, huge fan of uh, of this um, miniseries, and 
I think a big part of why it's so cool is because of uh, of Randall Flagg. Oh, Randall is such a, such a good bad guy. If you want to, go in and explain to everyone what the stand actually is because there might not be people <clears throat> that actually is familiar with the stand. All right, so uh, the stand, what pretty much a like super virus disease uh, escapes from a government lab. I'm pretty sure it's a government lab and ends up wiping out, I want to say like 97% of the world's population. Like everyone pretty much dies. It's, it's a massive plague and it's, it happens very quickly and almost nobody is left alive. The few people who are left alive get kind of like visions and kind of like a sense of, I need to go somewhere. And it ends up that God and the devil are the people who are directing uh, these, these survivors. And some people are chosen by God, and some people are chosen by the devil. And they each have their own representatives on earth. And Randall Flagg is pretty much the Antichrist. He's the representative <laughs> of the devil side. And man, is he good at it. He is such a good Antichrist in, in this uh, miniseries. He's just... He pulls all he's the stuff. so messed up. <laughs> yeah. He's so messed up, but he's got that, that charisma that goes with him that you just you love to hate him. You're like, this guy is evil. Cool. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, he's that Oh, creepy. man, so good. Yeah, he has that evil creepiness to him. This pizza, like this whole entire pizzazz with him, and everything. He like, and he like emanates power. Like, to. like, like his whole persona, the way he dresses, the way he acts. Uh, I think Jamie Sheridan, I think, played him, yep. and he did such a good job. He was just so cool throughout that whole thing. He he really did. An amazing job uh, playing him. Where you, you, like I said, you just love to hate him. He's just so awesome. But you're like, he's a bad guy, but he's so cool that I kind of want to be on his side, even though he's super evil. Uh, matter of fact, they're actually rebooting the stand. I heard about on that. CBS All uh, Access. I heard about that, and and I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like well, um. I think what I'm sold on is Alexander Skarsgård's playing Randall. Yes, that I love the whole Skarsgård <laughs> family. They are all phenomenal actors, and and that is one of the things that has me rooting for it. I don't have CBS All Access, which stinks because there's so many shows on it that I want to watch. I'm a Trekkie, so I'm really psyched. Uh, psyched for uh, Star Trek Picard. Uh, I really wanted to watch. Um, uh, what was it, the Twilight Zone that they redid yeah. and stuff, and I just like, I don't want to pay for another streaming service, though, you know what right. I mean? Uh, and I might bite the bullet and then, like, cancel it just to watch The Stand again, because it looks really cool from uh, from what I've read about. And plus, they're having Manson in there. I'm just so torn, because I don't want him to mess it up. I think it's going to be alright. Whoopi Goldberg's playing the little old woman, and then you have Manson yeah. that's going to be in it. I know all these things are pointing in an awesome direction, which is why I'm so torn. Because I like, I, it sounds like it's going to be so cool, and it looks like it's going to be so cool. Exactly. And but there's always that there's always that thing in the back of your mind being like, "Don't mess up the original," you know. <laughs> like, but um, I might do what I did with YouTube Premium. I might end up doing the uh, plan for like a month, just to binge all of it, and then cancel it. 
yeah. and do it that way. Probably what, I, probably what I'd end up doing. Because also. I can't afford another <laughs> streaming service. <laughs> yeah, that's the same thing with me. I got too many because already. Because by the time you look at it, you're basically paying all those streaming services the same amount that you'd be paying for DirecTV. I know, that's why I cut the cord on cable. I was paying too much, and now it's almost it's almost back to where it was. But yeah, the stand is an awesome miniseries. It's so well done, especially for its time. I agree. Like uh, I think ninety three or four or something like that. It came out. Uh, it was it was. Then awesome. you also have Go- Gober from uh, the TV show uh, Coach that's in it too. Uh, Stu Stu Redman is. The main good guy right. too, which is pretty pretty weird, seeing him uh like because because I only know him pretty much. He's Lieutenant Dan, and he's uh, in, like, uh Apollo Eleven and stuff. It's just like I don't know, like I don't think of him as being in a Stephen King movie, but he's awesome in it. Exactly, and not only that, but this did come out in 1994, so it definitely does have that cheesiness of a 1994 vibe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it does need to be rebooted. But it's good, so it's fine. <laughs> I actually own the book, and I haven't read that book yet. I bet that's massive. It is. It's really massive. I don't want to say, yeah. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you know me in big books, so. All right. Uh, what's your Christine next one? is my number four. Have you seen that one or no? Ah, oh, Christine. Let me think. Uh, is the one about the killer car? I keep coming to. Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay, I saw it. I saw it so long ago that I remember bits and pieces of it, but not enough for for me to be like I like or dislike that movie. Because when I saw that movie, I was like maybe a kid. Maybe I got introduced to horror very young because my mom is a horror movie fanatic too and now i watch horror movies that she can't do you know but um but and she showed it to me when i was in like elementary or middle school or something like that and uh i don't think i've watched it since so and you see i love this movie the simple fact is it's about a killer car (laughs) you know and yeah it's a cool. guy named Ernie Cunningham. He buys a 1958 Plymouth Fury, which he names Christine. Ernie develops an unhealthy obsession with the car to the alarm of the jo- of his jock friend Dennis after a bully ends up uh, bullying him and everything else. But what I loved about this was the fact that you have this dorky guy named Ernie who, uh, who's getting bullied all the time. And I mean, he's just taking crap from everybody, his family, uh, the bullies and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden he sees his little junk car, this this Plymouth that he falls in love with. And, you know, we all fall in love with our first car, you know. And we're oh, like, yeah. yeah. I remember my first right, car. We obsessed with it. <laughs> we go on ahead. We try to fix it up. We try to do different things. Arnie's on that same level. But not on the same level where if a girl is choking, we're not going to go on ahead and let the girl choke to death. Hi, <laughs> sweetie pie. I'm coming in and say hello. <laughs> You're awake, I see. <laughs> but. 
Papa, I wake up. You wake it up? Yeah. Which is <laughs> <laughs> <Just> adorable. <laughs> oh, she knows it too. <laughs> Want to sit in here with me? That's fine. We're talking about scary movies. <laughs> uh, like I said, it's been it's been a very very long time since I've seen that movie. I do remember it. It's the, the red car, right? right? It's, it's a pretty nice car. I think it's a convertible. It's pretty nice. Yeah, it's a nineteen fifty-six Plymouth. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't. I can't recall enough to be like, yes, I love that movie, or or the opposite. So, but I do remember it. I remember the movie. I just remembered enough. It's okay, but like I said, I mean, the the things that I love about it was the fact that you know he's trying to fix up this car, then these bullies wind up tearing it up, and then all of a sudden, you know, he tells Christine, "Show me," and then it repairs itself, and then it starts. Christine goes on ahead and starts um, tearing everybody up that tore tore up all the buildings and everything. <laughs> it's also a cool story of like nerd gets revenge kind of thing too that resonates with a lot that's of people. true you know so what's your uh, number five uh, the it miniseries chapter one. Oh, okay that's perfect uh, and again, we kind of already talked a lot about the It miniseries uh, a bit because it, you know, it keeps coming up. That's one of, I think, the really good ones. It's definitely my favorite of the miniseries. Uh, it's very campy, very dated now. You know, like like I said, I watched it right before going to go see uh, the, when they redid it in, in the movies. And I was just like, oh, man, like, I can't believe how cheesy some of this some of these effects and all the stuff is but one thing that did always resonate with me even after so long uh is tim curry did an awesome job playing pennywise i agree he did good did, did a great job during its time and oh yeah and you want to know something i actually want to bring this up there were, i was reading the book as i because i'm a house i was a housekeeper at the time and the part where Stan is going into where the sewer is, where he opens the door to go into the... Bye-bye. Bye-bye, sweetie. I love you. I love you. <laughs> but you remember when Stan goes into the sewer and he opens up the door to the uh, to the sewage place? Okay. Yeah. Well, in the book... <laughs> Daddy. Yeah, yeah I, love you. I love you too. Go, <laughs> go with mama. Want to watch a movie? I love you, sweetie. That's so sweet, man. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. But, uh, but this is what I have to say, though. Like, you picture this. Um, I'm reading the book, right? And I'm going into the janitor's closet. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, Stan is going into, oh, that's daddy. That's daddy. into the sewer. 
And basically, at that moment, the store door locks behind him, and he's hearing carnival music. You know? He's hearing carnival yeah. music. And all of a sudden, the door locks behind me. Like, not the door locks behind me, but the door shuts behind me. And I scare the, it scare the crap out of me. That is because at that terrifying. same moment, Dan was going into the store just as I was going into the into the storage closet. So, yeah, oh, I'm no. like, okay, I need to stop reading while I'm working. It's, it's time to yeah. take a break. But that's pretty funny, though. But I do right. I don't lie. Um, but I will have to say the very first part of that it miniseries was the best. Yes, I, I agree completely. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the, of the second part. Um, it's the same thing with the movie remake, too. I liked part two, but I felt like part one was, was better. Um, and the miniseries is the same thing. I really liked part one. I felt like part one was great. Part two wasn't, wasn't bad, but I just liked part one more. Um, I don't even know how old it was when I first saw it. But again, like ah, that movie was, oh man, that freaked me out. I'm gonna be honest with you, that that uh, freaked me out as well. <laughs> but I loved it. I love it. It's it's great. Again, it's like campy and cheesy now and stuff. But you know that's and that's only because it came out in 1990. I I was born in 1990. All right, so that's a long time ago. But uh, I do I do completely believe that Tim Curry did. And, awesome John is Pennywise. Like, when I think of Pennywise today, I still don't, like, the first thought that pops in my head still isn't Bill Skarsgård, it's still Tim Curry's Pennywise. It's the one that when I first think of when someone mentions Pennywise, that's the one that pops in my head first. Same here as well. And I was, and it, for a while I was actually scared of clowns, but now I'm not even scared of clowns or anything like that. <laughs> <clears throat> I actually embraced my fear. I, I've actually heard that from a lot of different people that the movie it really did like terrify them with clowns for a long time because it was just so well done and so creepy and and wonder like, how I got over my fear though <laughs> how I actually had, I actually had a dream that I beat the heck out of oh heck it. yeah man like I ended up getting whips I got chains choking him I did everything and then after that I was done. I was not even when, scared. When uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 on him? <laughs> Dream Warriors? Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't even know how I was getting this stuff. It was like, I was thinking of it, and then all of a sudden, there it was in my hand. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. So, yeah, I went... <laughs> so, yeah, I totally went postal on him on Nightmare on Elm Street 3. <laughs> but, for number for my number five, it would be Pet Cemetery. Which one? Good. The Good original. <laughs> I like the. Don't get me wrong. I like the remake. I actually haven't seen the remake. But it wasn't the worst. So I can't remake. even mention it. Uh, you haven't. But I love the. Uh, it, it, I really struggled with that making the list. It, it ended up not. But I do like that movie a lot. It's a good movie. And you see what I loved about the Pet Cemetery thing was the fact that you have these people that moved into this house and 
they're moved on to Indian burial ground without them even knowing that they were on Indian burial ground. And the whole entire thing is, if you <clears throat> bury your pet or anything, it comes back alive again. So that was a little bit the cre- that was the creepiness that actually drew me to that. Oh yeah, as a kid. And you know, the most controversial part was the part where the uh, the little kid died. That was messed up. It was a messed up scene. It that was heartbreaking. Really and uh, so as a sorry, you you continue. No, no, I was no, like, no, and ahead. and it resonates with you, like uh, the extremes that a family would go through for their child. Also, and I think that's like a very common, very basic human emotion of that almost everyone can identify with. Maybe not so much when you're like younger or and stuff, but like as you go through your life, you have people that you love and you care about, whether or not it's your own child. Uh, it could be, you know, someone else, but you think about the lengths you would go for for that person. And I mean, not the best outcome, but you know, he, he loved his kid and he wanted his kid back. So he was like, hey, let's try some some Indian magic. <laughs> right. And do you think that he would lo- learn his lesson after burying the kid? Oh, no. Oh, jeez. And then <laughs> I, I, try, I don't really, I mean, it's like a what, a 1970s movie, so I'm probably not spoiling it. Spoiling think- it. But um, you can go on here because it came out. It, it came out. But like, and ago. then the end with the wife. It's like, dude, what the heck is the matter with you? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? But I mean, overall, though, I I do like that movie. Me and my wife actually quote that movie a lot. The little kid in that movie a lot when he goes, "No fear." <laughs> we say that all the time because it's just, <laughs> we love the way he says it for some reason because we're ridiculous. Okay. You see, another thing too is with the remake, they actually changed up who died at that scene. Oh, really? Yeah, they actually did a gender swap. Okay, I could see that making more sense. So, because I mean, not really. That's still a terrible idea. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, I make more sense now. (laughs) But I can understand why they did that because it'd be even more controversial today because of the fact how people are hypersensitive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're idiots (laughs) for thinking, not learning from their mistakes multiple times. But it's a good movie, though. I definitely have to say it's right up there, though. I really enjoy um, Pet Cemetery for what it is. But when I. And, you know, I wish that they would have went into a little bit deeper, even with the original and the remake. I wish they would have went deeper into the origin of the uh, Indian Yes, that always was something that fascinated me, too. As, as like, you know, I'm a history teacher, so, like, uh, Indian history and stuff like that, the history of America is something that is brought up a lot. Um, most people think, like, history in America starts in the 1776 and anything. You know, the colonies and then 1776 and everything after that. But, like, people have been in America for hundreds of years before that with their own stories and everything like that. And it's it's cool. to I know the Lenape Indians were the tribe that lived in, around my area in New Jersey. Um, so I've learned a little bit about them and stuff. But 
their culture and their beliefs, uh, especially about the afterlife, are pretty interesting. Uh, I wish that they would have gone more into that in the movie instead of just like, the Indians believe the spot was evil. The end. <laughs> Don't bury things here. <laughs> Let's see. What do you have for your number six, I think? We're on number six. So, uh, yes, I have Gerald's game. You see, I can't, I don't know. There's just something about that movie that I just didn't care for. But go, uh, but tell me what you, what you I really about. liked it because I felt like it was so simple, but was so, like, so creepy at the same time of how really only, like, the two, maybe, maybe not three characters, I don't want to spoil too much, that, like, are just in this, one room and like it's what it's kind of like the final thoughts that go through someone's head while they are dying and that just interests me um oh man and the part with the hand with the skin oh geez (laughs) the first time i saw it i was like oh no but like i just felt like it was a really cool movie it was i thought it was well done Uh, my wife also really liked it my wife actually watched it without me uh, well, I was like at work one day. And I came home and she was like, "You gotta watch this movie." And I was like, "All right, cool." I watched it. And I was like, "Can we watch this without me? <laughs> Why didn't you wait for me? This was awesome." <laughs> but uh, and she was like, "Yeah, no, I'll totally watch it again. Let's watch it." I was like, "All right, cool. Let's do it." Uh, See, I liked it. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was cool. Um, again, the whole thing that gets with me is like just the struggle for survival. I'm a huge, huge fan of those like I survived TV shows. That were on back in the day, uh, and those like I shouldn't be right. alive and I survived and all those sh- I always loved those shows. And th- when they talk about like their moments where they think they're gonna die, and so I think that also is kind of something that really uh, turned me on to this movie because it's a, very much the same with the kind of talking yourself and your inner demons coming out and you thinking about your life uh, and that fight for survival I, I, thought, I just thought it was cool I can totally see why you were like that and everything you know because this was like the movie The Grey with Liam Neeson yeah and, that's a good one and what's that one where the guy's doing rock climbing and then all of a sudden the, he gets trapped in between Oh, it's 72 hours or something yes. like that yeah 72 hours uh, yeah I'm not a big fan of movies like that uh, and I think one of the things I like about Gerald's game is that it's also like a horror movie it's also like uh, really creepy and really like messed up the stuff that uh, goes on. Like there's some dark things that uh, they talk about in this movie, but it's you know it's cool. It's, I mean the things that happen were aren't cool, but <laughs> the movie itself uh, is cool. The whole like life versus death kind of thing, struggle that's going on like in her own mind. All right. I can, like I said, I'm glad that you like that movie. Um, for me, this is for number uh, six that I have, and it's called Sometimes They Come Back. Have I, I have not seen that. You haven't? It's actually on uh, Prime, I think, or Hulu. I'm not 100% sure. But this movie came out in 1991, and it's about a high school teacher named Jim. Huh. Jim Norman. Oh, no. 
I, I might relate too much to this movie. <laughs> as, soon as, I said, as soon as I said high school teacher. <laughs> but uh, he returns to his hometown with his wife to, uh, to pursue a job. Jim is haunted by the childhood memory of his brother being murdered by a group of teenagers who then struck, uh, struck by a train before they could kill him too. To Jim's horror... He finds that the teenagers have returned to town as they approached before they died and are transferring into his class when his students start dying off. Jim okay, so a... I don't really relate to this whatsoever, which is good. Yeah. That's... <laughs> so far, so good. Right. And what I love about this is the fact that, you know, you have this, he lives in a small town, of course. He's moving back into a small town where he grew up in. And, of course, he's visited by all his demons that he was uh, faced to get, faced with when he was younger. And that's the aspect that I loved about it. And then also, too, you have these group of teenagers that are all of a sudden coming in that he remembered from his childhood. And they're killing off all his students and everything. So he's trying to find a way to actually stop them from killing his students and his wife thinks he's just totally bonkers and totally crazy because of the fact that you know they're like well you're crazy because this firebird or thunderbird or whatever he this car that the teenagers had during that time is the same car that they're using now in 1991 and they're like oh you're crazy those kids are dead now and everything they're not here they're dead so so basically they think that he's just going crazy and stuff like that, but he's trying to protect his students. It's a really good movie. It's really messed up, though, especially whenever the whole entire train accident actually happens. But it's just one of those movies that will actually pull you in at the very start of the film. Sounds cool. Sounds interesting. But like I said, I think it's on Hulu or Amazon Prime because I ended up doing like a search for Stephen King movies because I was just craving for a Stephen King film. And that came up. But I remember watching it every single time it came on DirecTV. I gotta definitely, uh, I have both of those services, so I definitely gotta see if I can find it. Just one more thing to add to the list, but <laughs> it'll, it'll be on that watch list. I just gotta get to it. <laughs> but what's your number six? Uh, so we did Joel's game. We, uh, it Chapter 2 is my number seven, or it, I'm sorry, It Chapter 1 is my number seven. Okay. So we already talked a lot about that. Okay. Uh, Again, I, I love it. It's great. Bill Skarsgård is awesome. Uh, chapter two, I didn't like as much, but I still thought it was it was really well. And uh, but yeah, I love that. I love that movie. Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna go into my number seven then, and that's gonna be Needful Things. Have you ever heard of that one? Which one is it? Needful Things. No, I've never even heard of it. To be honest. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, honestly. Okay, so this movie has a pretty good cast. It has Ed Harris as the main character. Oh, well, that's awesome already. (laughs) It gets better, though, too. Because you have Max Vaughn as as the main guy. As the bad guy. How did I not know about this movie? What is going on? But let me just tell you what it's about. It's about this creepy older man named Leon Gaunt. Moves to a small town in Maine and sets up an antique shop. Bad things soon to follow. Gaunt has the remarkable ability of selling people 
exactly what they want most. But his ideal purchases came to came at a price that involves more than just money. Through God's manipulation, the citizens of the town gradually turn on one another, resulting in violence and that Sheriff Allen Penborn, Ed Harris, struggles to contain. So basically, let's say that you wanted the first appearance of the Punisher with Spider-Man. He so happens to have that item in the store. And it's autographed by Stan Lee. To you. Oh, snap. Huh? Oh, snap. And he says, I'll give this to you if you do this. And basically, it's making them do, like, dirty things to people that they can't stand. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, it gets dark. It gets that is, really dark. That is an awesome concept. I love that idea. And I'm going to tell you this. It even goes into a flashback kind of feel to it. Because there is a part on there where this kid has a Mickey Mantle card signed to him. And as soon as he touches that card, it goes back into a flashback of Mickey Mantle uh, hitting a home run. And you can actually feel that emotion of him hitting that home run. That's cool. That's a that's a really cool concept. I can't believe I've never even heard of this. This is Dude, awesome. I read the book. The book is <laughs> the book is really good too, but the movie is really good as well. And you have this one girl. Who is a who got abused by her husband and everything, and one of her neighbors or whatever just does not like the girl at all and always bullied her and things like that. So the guy actually has one of the little small figures or whatever that her husband had that he broke. And whenever she touches that little doll, she actually had flashbacks of her husband destroying that uh, little thing that she actually has. And so he goes, I'll give this to you if you go ahead and do this. And so it was a B is where she winds up uh, doing some other kind of crazy shady thing to her neighbor. But at the same time, there's this other thing that's actually happening with the kid with the Mickey Mantle card that's actually trashing that person's trailer, making it look like it's that girl that's doing it. So it's like all intertwined with each other too and stuff. Right. Oh, that's cool. That's super cool. So it's like all crisscrossed. Like power lines, if you think about it. I like that. So, I think you might actually love that movie, because that's kind of like, it has like a Satan type of vibe to it. Where, you know, Satan is kind of playing the... I'll give you what you want for a price kind of thing. Uh, Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I dig it. Alright. What's your number seven? Oh, my number seven was, was the it. So my number eight. Oh no, my, my seven was. So I was getting eight was it nine? Okay, so sorry, I'm all out of order on my thing. It's okay. Uh, so eleven twenty two sixty three. Uh, it was a mini series. Um, it was on like, uh, it was on like a like a TV show though. So it wasn't like you know. Uh, I think there was five parts to it or something like that. Um, but it was on. It was a Hulu only, 
And uh, have you seen it before I get more into it? I only saw maybe two episodes, and I wanted to finish it. I just never had a chance to actually finish it. All right. So I really liked it for a number of reasons. Uh, it's eight episodes, uh, but it's only the one season. Um, so James Franco is the main guy, and he's pretty cool. I like him in a lot of movies and stuff like that. But what really, really attracted me to it is it's all about the assassination of JFK and going back in time to try and prevent prevent that to make the world a better place today. And it's so cool because I'm a history teacher. (laughs) And alternate history is something that comes up a lot. Um, And one of the subjects I teach about, which I'm actually teaching about, not next week, but the week after, I'm actually... I'm actually hitting it in my class. I'm going to talk about the JFK assassination. And it's a subject I stay on for like a full week because it is a really, really interesting, really fascinating subject. And one of the reasons why I think it's so fascinating is because it's still like solved, but not really. You know what I mean? Like everyone's like, oh, you know, uh, he was definitely assassinated, obviously, because he's dead. But was it was it really just one guy just with this one uh crazy person who did it or was there strings being pulled behind the scenes? And I think that's one of the things that really attracts a lot of students in that lesson is because I do an investigation uh in my class, which they seem to absolutely love. <clears throat> and this kind of goes into the whole thing of what really happened uh and was it really just the one <clears throat> sorry i'm like dying right now uh, it's okay <clears throat> just take a drink of water all right cool anyway uh where was i okay so um so what do you say he's trying to prevent the assassination and it goes into this whole thing of like how time is trying to prevent you from preventing the assassination. And I always thought that that was like a super cool concept of how like time doesn't want to change. And that uh, like, you know, there's a path for everyone and that the, uh, history will try and stop you on that path. Even if, uh, even if it's something like really bad, like the assassination of JFK, like, like, holy crap, like that's, that's one of the worst events in, uh, in history when Lee Harvey Oswald killed one of our presidents and then he died two days later. So it's like, uh, what happened? We're never going to know. But what if he hadn't died? What if he had still lived? And like, I like to go into this whole thing with my class when we talk about it and they always get like super involved and super into it. We do a whole like investigation. Uh, was Lee Harvey Oswald the only guy involved or was like the CIA involved? Was the mafia involved? Was the communists involved? get into that and we get into this whole like uh theory of like what if he hadn't been assassinated what do you think do you think he would have been reelected and stuff like that and so i really like this show because i've Make already been, been doing that you know i've already always thought about this stuff and everything and my students love it and then like they made a really cool show about it uh and i just thought it was awesome i really like it see i need to go deeper into it. I'm I'm actually going to probably watch that after I get done doing Hunters so that way I'll actually have another show to watch. <laughs> so, 
I'm definitely going to check that out after I do Hunters. It's a cool concept because, it, I mean, even today, uh, I think a poll said that, like, 70% of people don't believe that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone, that, like, someone else was involved somewhere. Well, don't in, forget, don't forget, too, this is also during the time of Jimmy Hoffa and all that stuff. Yeah. So, like, uh, so it's, a, it's all re- it's still today a huge conspiracy theories, like, like, perfect storm, really, of, like, all these different things going on. Uh, and then this, and then there's that, always that, oh, well, what, who was behind it and what if it hadn't happened? And then the show goes into how it was so, supposed to happen no matter what. And just because you think it might have worked out for the better isn't always true. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it's, it's awesome. It goes into like alternate history and stuff like that. It's just a really cool subject. Really cool show. All right. Let's see. For me, uh, for my number eight, I have Shawshank Redemption. That's a fantastic movie. I love that movie because of the simple fact is you have Tim Robbins in it. You also have uh, Morgan Freeman in it. And it's perfectly well directed. And get this, in the book, I haven't read the book or anything like that, Morgan Freeman's character is supposed to be a white Irish guy. And I'm glad... Yeah, red. Yeah, and I'm (laughs) glad that they changed it to Morgan Freeman because Morgan Freeman just gives that character so much light when there's supposed to be so much darkness within that whole entire realm of the Shawshank prison. And you have Tim Robbins, who is wrongly or maybe... He did do the crime of killing his wife because she was having an affair. But it goes to show you how rough prison life is during that time and during that era. Oh, yeah. And I also love how Tim Robbins tries to um, be, tries to do the tax returns for the prison and everything, too, where they are actually trying to do their tax returns. Remember that? I don't remember that part. Yeah, like he's trying to do the whole entire taxes where they're trying to teach where he's actually trying to do where he's actually doing the taxes for the prisoner of not for the prisoners, but for the prison guards and even the warden too. He's even doing his taxes and telling him what to do, telling him what not to do, and things like that. He also gets uh, fixes up a library for the prisoners. I remember the library. Yeah, I remember all, I remember that part. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it. I I do remember really enjoying the movie, and it is uh, a very well done movie from what I remember. Uh, it's cool, and it is like you said, it's like prison life is. I mean, it's not that it's easy now, but back then it was on a whole other level of just um, like uh, what you had to go through. Uh, it was way more corrupt. And way more, because uh, you didn't really have a lot of the, I don't want to say luxuries, because, I mean, you're still in prison right. today and stuff, but it was a struggle. It still is a struggle. But it gives some insight into what someone uh, is going through when went behind bars. Exactly. Um, also, too, I also love the plot twist to that movie. And everything, whenever everything is all said and done, that plot twist to it is just fantastic. I don't know if you remember that or not. I'm trying to think. 
But... Don't spoil it. I'm not. Now I gotta rewatch it. Because I haven't seen it since I was, I think it was in high school last time I watched it. I remember really enjoying it. I remember pretty big parts of it, but I don't think I remember the. And then also, too, um, well, I actually own the movie on Blu ray and everything. As a matter of fact, Forrest Gump beat that movie out for Oscars. Well, I mean, Forrest Gump is a really good movie. It is. <laughs> but, um,. Let me think here. And then also, too, it also shows what happens when somebody does get released from prison and they're so used to the whole entire prison life that they have a hard time adapting into being just a civilian again. It is a whole other life. I mean, there's a statistics that show people who went to prison usually end up going back. And sometimes it's not just a they commit crime. Sometimes it's a comfort thing. They feel like this is all they like. Right, this changes a person, you know. But even even uh, it could be for the better. It could be for the worse. It's, you know, prison is supposed to, uh, you know, help you to be a better person, so you don't go back there. Uh, but one way or another, prison will change you. Yep. Uh, what's your number nine? No, I did the uh, eleven twenty two sixty three. Okay, so and and so my number one is The Shining. Okay, which uh, I love. I love that movie. I love that movie so much. Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. <laughs> uh, that is, I try to watch that movie every single Halloween. That's like one of my things that I really, really try to watch every single Halloween, even if I put it on just like fall asleep. <laughs> like because it's like kind of like one of those traditions for me. Because uh, it is my all-time favorite horror movie, I've seen it a million times. I'm, it's still there's still certain scenes of that movie that make my hair stand up a little bit, even though like I know what's coming. Like especially that scene on the stairway when he's first chasing her up the up the stairs. Oh yeah, and it's like light of my <laughs> life, and I call my wife the light of my life by the way <laughs> because of that movie. But um, but like I love that, and still like, oh, man, chills every time that scene comes up. And it's just, it's just, I think it's so old. I know King hates it, and I know that it's not true to the uh, to the book um, and everything. But I, I just really feel like, especially Jack Nicholson, did a fantastic job in showing uh, just that that craziness developing inside his head and everything. And I really think. I feel bad for uh, Shelley Shelley Duvall, right? Uh, the girl who played uh, Wendy, because uh, supposedly that movie really affected her, like mentally. Uh, doing that movie, it did that, and not only that, but also the fan base also ripped her apart. And yeah, even to this and day, she was fantastic though. She was great. Um, everyone in that movie, I think, was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Even uh. The kid who played Danny, who I think is also his name was Danny, I think too. But um, but I, uh, I just love that movie. I think it's so cool, it's so well done. There's so many parts to it that are just like, like it was done in a time before the jump scares and before the CGI took over and all that stuff. And it's one of those movies that just gives you a feeling of uneasiness through like the whole thing that just. 
builds and builds and builds and getting more and more just creeped out and uneasy and that's what I love about it. It's just not, it doesn't really, it's not one of those jump scare movies where it's predictable and all this stuff. It's one of those movies that has like this build up of like, oh my God, what the hell is going to happen next? Exactly. You know, that's, no... that's, that's one of my favorite horror movie things. Well, that's what I love about horror movies. Uh, which is why the 70s and 80s horror movies are my favorites because most of the time they are like that and this one just takes the cake. I agree with you on that. As a matter of fact, I actually did a whole entire thing from the 1970s all the way up to 2020. I did all the, I did every single horror movie from the 1970s all the way up to 2020 on the podcast about how they were different. Huge list. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The huge list. Well, I'm a huge fan of older horror movies because of that. Uh, Like, yeah, there's a lot of good modern ones, but I'm always going to be more for the more for the classics. Uh, and The Shining is definitely at the top of my list for all-time favorite horror movies ever. I'm I almost obsessed with that movie. All right. So I'm going to do my number nine and number ten. Uh, I, I might have skipped one. I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. We also covered a lot of the same movies, so that might be why. Yeah, too. that's what we did, too. Like, we're pretty much neck and neck on some of these top tens that we do. So that's always a plus. <laughs> I did skip one. What's looking that? at my list now. Which one? You do nine. You go ahead. Do your nine. Okay. Number nine would be Dreamcatcher. Okay, that's the one I skipped, so perfect. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it all works out. Right? <laughs> well, I think we've been birth at a, I think we've been separated at birth or something over the years. I don't know. <laughs> we're Maybe. pretty much close to the same. But. Oh, that's perfect. To me, I've always liked movies where it's about friendship and things like that. And that's exactly what Dreamcatcher is. It's about four friends who have been friends for years, who has this telekinesis type ability and everything. And they always go to this one cabin during the wintertime to actually catch up with each other and hang out and do some hunting and stuff like that. And that's what I loved about that. It's about friendship. It's about getting together with your group of friends and just hanging out like old times. Minus the military yeah. and Morgan Freeman showing up. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Morgan Freeman is awesome in that movie. Uh, he plays a really good good guy who's not really a good guy at the same time. He's, you know, that very by-the-book um, guy for a while. He, he he's awesome though. I love him. Uh, but that whole movie, I think, is very underrated. I did too. Uh, I I love that movie. My wife is actually the one who introduced me to that movie, also, and she showed it to me, and I was like, "This movie is awesome. I love it." Like, and and it is. I do really feel like it's one of those very underrated movies that not that people may have heard of, but they may not have seen it. I agree with you on that, too, because it's not even that well-received either, especially the book. And the book was actually written after Stephen King got uh-huh. ran over in Maine, and he ended up writing this book while he was ho- being hospitalized. And, you know, it's not that well-received from both fans and also critics alike, but I loved the movie and everything. I thought Jason Lee did a really good job of playing Beaver. And then you have Timothy Oliphant playing Pete. And then you have Domian Lewis as Jonesy. 
Damian Lewis. I I love Damian Lewis. Um, and one of the main reasons I love him so much is from he plays uh, uh Colonel uh, uh Colonel Winters. Yep. In uh, Band of Brothers, and which is like I love 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 that miniseries. And so and he does a great job. He's so creepy. He's so creepy in Dream. <laughs> he is that. He's very creepy in Dreamcatcher. Uh, and then also, too, we also have Thomas Jane in there, too. That whole movie is very well done. Uh, I really like it. Um, oh, and that SSDD. I love that so much. I use that in real life all the time. When people ask me I how my too. day is, oh, how's your day? Uh, SSDD. <laughs> so every once in a while, I get the, what does that mean? Some people do know it. Some people are like, oh, yeah. And it's still like, oh, what does that mean? And depending on like who I'm talking to, I'll either be like, oh, same stuff, different day, or I'll be like, yeah, same shit, different day, <laughs> depending right. on like, who it is. <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah, I, I use that all the time. <laughs> and you see, I love the story because it's, it has a little bit of a sci-fi element to it as well. Yeah. With Mr. Gray. And, and Duddits, because when... Duddits is also... Uh, Outer space too, right? Yeah, D- yeah. Duddits is actually actually played by uh, Mark Wahlberg's brother, Danny. Donnie Wahlberg. I did not know that. That, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> I was like, did not know that was Mark Wahlberg's brother at all. Uh, yeah, that's. Yeah, I can yeah, see that. Now. By... <laughs> but yeah, he was also an alien as well. But we didn't know that until like once we got deeper into the story. Yeah. And everything, but it makes sense because of the telekinesis and also all the abilities that the kids had, and how they were linked together, just like how they were with it. If you think about it. Someone wants to say hello again. <laughs> it's getting late, Missy. Hi, sweetie. <laughs> She's a party girl. She took a very long nap today. Oh, what do you got? A carrot? I'm looking. Oh, you jump so good. So awake at 1040 at night. <laughs> oh, that's perfect, because that's, that's the one that I missed on my list. And I was like, I think I feel like I missed one, but I'm not sure. And that's perfect, because there we go. Great mind. Let's see here. The next one I have on mine is Stand By Me. That's a good one, too. I haven't seen that one in a really long time, either. I actually recorded that on DirecTV a while back, and it just stuck, stuck with me. And like I said, I'm a sucker for one of those things where it's about friend, kids are just curiosity about a dead body <clears throat> and going on an adventure without the adults around. Yeah. And trying to look at a dead body for the very first time. I feel like everyone can kind of... uh connect with that also of you know like going out and having fun with your friends and wanting to like I remember uh, me being a little kid going like you know wanting to kind of get into trouble go to places you're not really supposed to go to the old abandoned house and all of the, like walk, and I've walked on the real tracks a couple times and stuff like all, all that stuff it's just fun you know but uh so I think that's also a movie like everybody can kind of identify with like so you did find a bit of dead body yeah, I'd probably poke with a stick. <laughs> probably, exactly. Probably that happens. And also, too, the ghost stories and stuff like that. 
help. So I thought it was really good on how they connected. You got a bat girl. That's a bat girl, not that man. But yes, <laughs> she is one of the bat family. Uh oh. <laughs> you okay? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, sorry. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah. It is a good movie. Again, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I do remember bits and pieces of it. No, isn't, uh, Will Wheaton in that movie? Isn't he, like, like, really, really young? Oh, what playing with the carrot you brought in here. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's tossing it around. Zoltar's our kitty. But yeah, man, I think well, that's pretty much all of it for the whole entire list and everything as far as everything goes. So, yeah, I mean Stephen King, he's got he's got so so many movies, uh, and so many books that it's really hard to make. There are a lot that do, like, stand out, you know? Um, but I feel like you could make, like, probably a top 30 <laughs> with all the stuff that, that have, like... I mean, there's some that you mentioned that I haven't even heard of. Uh, and it's like, oh, I can't believe I haven't, you know? Um, because, hey, he comes up with a book, like, exactly. ridiculously. And then... There's things that, there's movies that I saw or miniseries that I saw. It's one of your rattle. From when you were a baby, baby. Um, like, there's times where I've seen things I had no idea it was even Stephen King until, like, later. You know what I mean? Because it's right. not like, it's not like he has one genre. Like, all his genre is creepy, weird, evil, horror stuff. But it's such a huge variety of that genre um, that, like, and not in even that, not all of it is like, like Stand by Me really isn't like that, you know. Like, there's some dark parts to it, maybe, uh, and like same thing with Shawshank Redemption, where there's like dark parts to it. But overall, I wouldn't classify either of them as like a horror movie, you know. But but when you think Stephen King, it's all horror. Horror, this is so scary. That's a lanyard. Who is this? Who is that? That's Joker, that's right. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, very proud of my my nerd two year old. (laughs) With all her Batman and Joker. I think it's adorable, though, man. Seriously. Yeah, she's awesome. I love her very much. (laughs) But, uh,. I think we're just going to, we'll go ahead and wrap everything up, and so. Yeah, sounds, I, I mean, I'm a big Stephen King. I definitely got to check out some of the movies that you mentioned I haven't seen yet. I made a list of the ones you mentioned I haven't seen. I went to try and look them up. Uh, but awesome. yeah, awesome, uh-huh. awesome stuff. Thanks, man. I, I Let me know what you think of some of them, because I'm kind of curious of what your reaction's going to be. Oh, I will, definitely. All right. Well, uh, this is John DiGorio from Movie Lovers Unite. You can follow me on Twitter at John DiGorio. And you can also follow me on Movie Lovers Unite. Get this. It's actually Movie Lovers Unit instead of Unite because Twitter does not like me to have an extra letter. <laughs> I actually... So it's going to be Movie Lovers Unit. And then you can also follow me on Facebook, 
at Movie Loves You Night. And you can also follow Rick at the following places. Go on ahead, Rick. Uh, you can follow me over at the Joker Unleashed on Facebook. Uh, we talk about all Joker and Batman news and stuff like that. It's a fun time. All right. And I just want to say thank you again for joining me, Rick. I do appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. It's always a blast. Always fun. Same here. All right, man.